Welcome to the Across the Peak Podcast, the show where Rich and Justin discuss preparedness, the birds and the bees, guns, history, tattoos, and, well, basically all the stuff your old man should have taught you. Rich Brown's a failed 70s child actor, retired Marine Corps officer, and former cop. Justin Carroll, he's a washed-up former special operator, half-assed author, and adventurer at large. Learn life skills, harden the f*** up, and become a dangerous man. Get your damn boots on, gents, because we're going going across the peak. Welcome to the Across the Peak podcast. I'm your host and tour guide, Justin. Hey, brother. What's going on, man? What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Another day of living the dream. So this is the first episode of the Across the Peak podcast, and in this show, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing differently than a lot of other podcasts and why we feel we have a little bit of value to bring you as the listener and kind of what our mission statement is, I, I guess, for lack of a better term. Would you would you agree with that, Rich? Yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, so I'm excited to get into today's show and uh, tell them about, a little bit about us and what we're about. Yeah, so today we're going to complain a little bit about, not complain, but uh, you and I have looked at a lot of guidance on how to create podcasts. We've read books, we've listened to podcasts about making podcasts, we've watched YouTube videos, we've read blogs, we've done all this research, and you and I both have other podcasts. And the one piece of advice that's a recurring theme, the thing that everyone says is the secret to success for making a good podcast is to specialize. And that narrows your audience down to a really, really refined audience. And we just decided to take all that advice and just completely throw it out the window. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, why don't you tell them about our strategy a little bit? Yeah, man, absolutely. I think that that advice also kind of overlooks some glaring exceptions to the rule, like the Joe Rogan experience, you know, where there's no fixed subject. And uh, they kind of ramble. But what we wanted to be is more of a generalist and less of a specialist in any given topic. Because as you alluded to, we both have shows. And on those shows, we are the subject matter expert, the SME, right? But but we have some problems with that approach, man. There's a, there's a lot of significant problems when you start listening to the experts, right? And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. No doubt, man. Uh, there's no question that there is a place for specialization. I guess we should talk about that first. And that's, you know, that's why our shows are successful. That's why we have the audience that we have, because we can really drill down on a very, very specific topic. Um, the problem, well, we'll get to the problems here in a little bit. We definitely have that on the agenda. But the world does need specialists. They, we, we do need these people in whatever thing you're trying to get better about or learn more about or, or be more proficient at, you probably want to go to an expert in that topic because they are the definitive research. They have experience. They have thought about this in, in ways that you and I can't really imagine if it's something outside of our specific scope and they've maybe have specific education on it and whatever. And, and that's the person I want to go to when I want to learn about a very, very specific topic, Right. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's all about the exchange of goods and services. That's what drives a capitalistic economy, and that's what certainly drives our economy. If I don't want to learn what Trump's new tax tables are like, I want to just go to the guy 
give him $45 an hour or whatever, hand him all my paperwork and go, you solve this math problem, bro, not me. Because I don't have the time or the inclination to put in the years of training and practice it took to acquire that knowledge, but I can pay the guy with that knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or you can listen to the podcast uh, of the fitness expert that he lives fitness. Fitness is his life. For for most of us, it's just one one facet of our lives. We can't quit our jobs and you know stop paying attention to our marriages and and whatever else just to do fitness, just to be fit to the absolute peak level. But I'll absolutely take my advice from that person. Uh, that's that's the person I want to go to for that knowledge. And and uh, there are a lot of you know like pick your pick your path financial stuff, which I'm I'm really into preparedness stuff, firearm stuff, fitness stuff, what whatever your your pathway is. There's probably an expert out there on it that you can go to for that advice, and that's absolutely not a bad thing to do. Um, for you and I though. I personally find that a, a little bit limiting, and and I guess that's where we're going to end up this show when we when we work to the end. But um, being an expert, I've come to realize that I, I'm always pegged as the privacy expert or the digital security expert, uh, and I'm guilty of doing the same thing. I'm doing it right now about all these other quote unquote experts, and assuming that there's nothing else to their life. But uh, you and I both have like. <laughs> a lot of a lot of other things going on in our life, a lot of other things that we want to know about. Yeah, there's a guy, man, that funny we're talking about this. I inherited this old farmhouse that we live in in Tennessee, and it's beautiful and it's everything my wife and I ever dreamed, but it had some significant plumbing issues. Well, my dad, his idea is, you know, he's a man's man and we're all we're going to fix all of our own plumbing problems. So we do. We replace all the toilets, we replace a lot of the stuff, and guess what happened within the first three to five years? Every single thing he and I touched in plumbing was leaking or messed up, and I had to hire the expert to come in and fix it. So I think there are certain times, man, that you just cannot get around it because they know things that you don't, and they have this secret acquired knowledge that I'm happy to pay for. But let's talk about your fitness guy, because I think that's a good example. A lot of times the experts will come in with their own set of intellectual and cognitive biases, right? Yeah. You got them as an SME in, in the digital security and privacy arena, you know, because you don't have the same life that I have. You're a dude and where I've got a wife and three kids and all this stuff, uh, you know, you, you're, you travel lighter than I do. So, you know, I think that as if you're going to hire a specialist, make sure that they understand the goals and the objectives that you're trying to uh, reach, right? Yeah, no question about it. And this gets into one of my other big kind of beefs with specialists. And I, I, I am pointing a finger squarely at myself. I'm as guilty of this as anyone is they can't give short answers. When, when Rich Brown comes to me and says, Hey bro, how do I make myself more digitally secure? Uh, I, I'm like, you know, I, I could have a top five list in my head to as a pat answer to give people when they ask me that. And it's five things that definitely would help them. But for each of those five things, I have, you know, it's a, it's 
basically a flow chart under that of like, well, if you're worried about this, you might want to also add this. And there's all these sub factors and sub sub factors that creates all this nuance that makes it almost impossible for me to give a short answer. So what ends up happening is I beat around the bush a lot and we don't really get to any actionable stuff at all because I can't give a short answer because I'm thinking of all these other factors. Instead of just saying, Rich, do these five things, you'll be way better off than you were. You won't be hiding from the NSA, but you'll be 100% better than you were. And that happens to a lot of, I, I, I see that across the board with with experts and specialists. They they can't give people a short answer. And, and sometimes that's a good thing. Some people want that really detailed answer. Um, but also there's a way to get to that answer. And it's what you just mentioned, which is wh- what exactly are you trying to accomplish? If, if you want to be fit, are you trying to be fit to run a marathon? Are you trying to be fit to compete in weightlifting competitions? Are you trying to be functionally fit? What's your goal? Uh, if you're trying to be private, who who is your adversary that you're really worried about? If you're trying to uh, be a better shooter. Do you want to compete? Do you want to be good at self-defense? Do you want to be long range guy? Do you want to be a hunter? What, what's your goal? Yeah. And, and in the arena that, that I'm in with my other show and the other things that I do in life, oftentimes people will meet me and say, what gun do I need to buy? And they think they're coming to the burning bush, right? You, you know, you're rich and you're on this other show and you've, you know, had your hand in writing books and articles and stuff. And I will you know, ask them, what do you want to accomplish? It's no different than if you go to Tiger Woods and say, which golf club do I need to buy? Well, I, I don't know. You know, what are you trying to do? Are you driving? Are you pitching? What are you doing? Um, and then that will dictate what, what golf club you're going to use for that per- particular set of variables. It's no different than what we are. So some people get frustrated with the the follow-on questions, if you will, or the nuance that goes along with the discussion when you're talking to an expert or a specialist. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, man. They're trying to tailor their response to your specific needs and wishes. I, I totally agree, man. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think the problem with a lot of those uh, people is they aren't practiced and they aren't studied in actually leading that to a point and, and reaching a resolution and giving an answer. Um, and, and like, how do I be more private is such a huge topic. It's really hard for me to get that down to a handful of things and actually let that person walk away from that conversation with, okay, here's five things I can do that I can feel really good about. Uh, and that will maybe get that person more interested and urge them to take more action later on. Well, think about um, No, no, no. Think about it. Like, um, if you went to someone, th- th- there's a real good friend of mine. He's a federal agent. He's super fit and into CrossFit, and he lives on a paleo diet. So if he says, Rich, you just need to eat more nuts and, and, and embrace this paleo lifestyle. But if he doesn't take into context that I'm allergic to nuts, I'm not, but let's say I was, that would be a problem. And, and that's the other thing. Placing the expert's opinion into context creates a whole host of secondary problems. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. Or a failure to place it in a context, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, it, it it has to be in a meaningful, it has to be framed in a way that's meaningful to the end user, whatever that is. Uh, you know, I've, I've written a book on Windows security and a book on iOS security. And like contextually, those mean almost nothing to you if you don't use a Windows computer or an iPhone. Like th- those mean basically nothing at all to you. There's The information is still there but it exists in a way that doesn't touch your life meaningfully at all. So it ha- you, you have to take into account 
all these other factors in that in that person's situation or uh, the intended use case for that information, how they're actually going to apply that information, right? You know, in your world, I, I've been to a lot of shooting courses and it's all like, you know, there's a lot of like shoot as fast as you can, as many rounds as you can in this amount of time. Uh, and if you go out on the street and end up having to defend your life and you just start getting as many rounds out of the gun as fast as you can, that creates some potential problems, right? It does because you're financially, criminally, and civilly liable for every round that leaves that muzzle. You're responsible for it. You own it. You own the outcome of where that round goes. And when it strikes the grandma across the street pumping gas, evidently you got some bad advice from somewhere along the way that told you to just put a lot of lead downrange. And I would say I, I would say ethically liable as well. I, I don't want that on my conscience of, of having done that. So uh, that would be a a good example of a failure to provide context and to put that into uh, a situational context that's actually realistic for most gun-carrying civilians. And uh, before before we go further, I want to be clear, this is not a, a gun podcast, but we also don't shy away from talking about guns. We're, you know, we're both gun-carrying people and shooters and whatever. Well, I mean, I think we're both uh, in some regard, constitutionalists too. It's, I'm not in love with the Second Amendment. I love all the amendments. I think they're all pretty rad. So I'm not going to single out any one, but you're absolutely right. I, I carry a gun everywhere I go, not because I'm paranoid, but because I want to be prepared. And there's a difference. You know, we we talked about this last night, I guess it was, before the show. You know, we to me, it's if, if we talk about guns on the show, it's no different than talking about the smoke alarms that I have in my house or the carbon monoxide detectors I have in the house or the uh, – I have a huge commercial fire extinguishers because I live way out in the county, right? The response time to get to me is probably 20 minutes. I'm going to be on my own fighting this fire, right? So it's not me being paranoid. I just want to be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And we would all – like. Also, man, I know guns are such a hot-button thing. People love them so much or hate them so much. Um, But really, I look at it as a tool. I I will talk about it a lot like I talk about a hammer or a... Apparently, a hammer is the only tool I know other than a gun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How about a screwdriver? How about that? A hammer, a screwdriver, a pair of pliers, whatever. It's, It's just a tool. Uh, for a very specific use case. Um, so Can I talk, another let me, problem... Let me, let me jump on that real yeah, quick because yeah. you, you just hit, hit on something. Probably about six months ago, I'm driving my truck and my buddy calls me and I'm in, um, I'm in a city I'm not normally in and he's like, bro, this lady's calling, man. She's freaking out. They've got a, a busted water leak. Can you go over and shut the water off at, at her house for me? And, and I know where it's at and I'm about two miles away. So I go over there. She's got no tools, and water's gushing out into her basement from these busted pipes. And um, and here I am in my truck with no tools in it, and I have to go literally banging on a neighbor's uh, house to to borrow a couple of basic tools to go and shut off the water. And I vowed at that point I will never be that guy again. So I don't have a ton of tools in my truck, but I have a few basic tools that can do 90% of the the job. And I think that's the point of sometimes with the curse of knowledge, I, you know, a specialist might think I need to have all these tools where a generalist like you and I in this podcast is, no, 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 I don't need to have all the tools. I need to have these four basic tools. And with these four tools, I can solve 80 to 90% of the problems. 
Did the neighbor hand you the tools and then cut a corner off of your man card, or or how did that go? He actually ripped it up and threw it in my face. <laughs> uh, that, oh man, that's that's a shame. I I'm completely with you. I'm man. I I I guess don't geek out, but I I take a lot of pride in my <laughs> in my tool bag. I actually have a tool bag now because I don't know. That that's another topic for another time. But like this big heavy duty bag that carrot like has loops for everything and whatever I, I i take a lot of pride in having my tools knowing how to use them and you know that that applies for all things and probably we should talk about like what basic tools you should have on hand and what basic tools you should have in your car but that man that is a perfect point of what this podcast is that sense of of being a generalist a sense of not being an expert in anything not being perfectly prepared for anything but being able to adapt to any evolving situation and having those, you know, that putting in that 20% effort to borrow the Pareto principle, putting in that 20% effort that will get us 80% of the way there, uh, rather than spending a bunch of time putting in that extra 80% effort to conquer that last 20%. That, that's very, very well said, man. And, and that's exactly what we want to talk about here. And I think a, a, that's probably a good episode, man, that we need to do at some point is what is in your tool bag? And there's probably going to be different tools in your car that there are in your house or your garage. But, you know, in any given day, man, we live in a world where you really just can't sit around and specialize in one thing because you're going to have to cook your own meals, right? You're, You're probably going to have to fix a tire or two at some point in your life. You're going to have to know to do basic stuff, uh, on a Mac or a windows computer, whether it's, a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint presentation, these basic skills, man, or start, heck, start a chainsaw. You know, I was in the uh, regional manager for uh, disaster preparedness for the Red Cross, and I'll tell you, doing some disaster relief showed me the value of a chainsaw, but if you've got a limb across your fence or on your house and you don't know how to run a chainsaw to get it off, man, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, you're you're going to spend some money to have someone come out to apply some very unspecialized knowledge that, that you don't need an expert for. You don't need someone with like this years of experience and institutional knowledge and all this stuff. That's a very basic thing that everybody should be able to do. And you and I live in very different situations. You are married with children in a, like way out in the country and I'm single and I live in kind of in a suburb of a major city, but even me, uh, during winter storms this year, I've had to, you know, pull the chainsaw out of the shed and cut down limbs. We had a windstorm recently uh, that put some limbs in the yard and actually knocked out, knocked some trees down around town. And like, had that been on my property, that's that's kind of on me to take care of that. Whether that means calling somebody and paying four hundred dollars to have, you know, that tree cut out of my yard and all the limbs chipped up or whatever, or just doing it myself for the cost of a tank of gas in a couple hours. So. Yeah, like in any given day, I mean, not the typical day, but any given day, I'm probably going to have to use a computer, uh, uh, drive a car, may have to fire up the chainsaw, I'm probably going to have to feed myself, like the full gamut of things that we need a little bit of knowledge in all these areas. I don't have to be the expert on chainsaws. I don't know, I don't have to know exactly how a still chainsaw works and the compression ratio, and I'm making words up now and and other things or how to be a lumberjack and how to down like huge trees and all this other stuff i just need to know the basics of how to run that thing safely 
um, how to like how to cut a tree safely or how to do whatever tasks I might encounter on my tiny little urban yard here. Um, but a little bit of everything is what we're trying to what we're trying to get across and engender a sense of of being well rounded. That's true, and I, and to borrow on the the chainsaw metaphor that we're we're using, and I'm gonna beat it to death. And that is, there is some very uh, um, unambiguous uh, danger in running a chainsaw, right? I mean, you got a blade swirling around your uh, around you that is is very. I mean, it's potentially lethal. No different than a firearm. You know, this is a tool that that can cause death or great bodily harm, and and that's where. If you know how to use it, you don't need to be fearful of it. If you know how to use, uh, you know, build a basic Excel spreadsheet, you don't need to be fearful of it. Like I, I've talked to a lot of people like, oh, man, I don't, I stay away from that. Well, why? I think this, the value of this, a podcast like this is you don't need to be fearful of these things. We're going to give you enough basic knowledge on this show to hopefully remove some of the, the angst and the fear so that you can take action and enrich your life by being more of a generalist because that's what as humans man we need to do some basic shit every single day right yeah no no doubt about it and just so people don't think this is like the neanderthal how to use a chainsaw and a gun podcast i also own a tuxedo well i for years i have carted around every time i move what has come to be hundreds of pounds of books this like this runs the gamut from wearing a tuxedo and knowing how to sit down at a formal dinner and use all the forks and whatever to being able to get out in your yard and use a chainsaw when something blows across your yard. I like that, you know, MacGyver wasn't a specialist at one specific thing. He was popular because he could handle any situation. James Bond wasn't a, an expert on counterproliferation. He was good at everything from scuba diving to ballroom dancing to, to whatever. Uh, so that, that well-roundedness, that flexibility and adaptability to pretty much any situation that you could be put in is absolutely what we want to uh, engender and see flourish. Uh, don't, don't, un- unless you want to be an expert on something because you want to make your living at it or, uh, or it's just your thing, don't get in the silo of, you know, spending all your time and effort and money in one specific arena because there's a lot of things you need to be able to do. That is true, man. And one of the the, I think the value of this show will be as we move forward, you know, we're going to, you know, like you said, man, um, I'm, I know as much about the humanities as I do about choking the life out of somebody. You know, I, I my degree is in uh, social psychology because I find it fascinating the things uh, little hairless bipedal primates do, man. They, it fascinates me. And I want to share some of the the things that will help you recognize some cognitive biases that you may come with you know uh, we're going to talk about books you should every man should read we're going to talk about you know digital security well of course we'll borrow from the things that we really know but we're also going to talk about things that maybe we don't know a, a lot about but things that we're fascinated by and that intrigue us and make us want to learn more right no doubt about it. So if you're that guy that uh, your dad didn't really teach you any of this stuff or um, or he did, but you're interested in learning more or whatever, and you want to get that information from two crazy uncle figures, then this is the podcast for you. True, man. And um, I think in doing that, uh, you mentioned well-roundedness a little bit, but I think in that well-roundedness, and we kind of touched on the second part of it, was the resiliency that comes with 
having the knowledge and uh, the power of that knowledge to go ahead and take action where you might normally want to hire that specialist. Well, hopefully we're going to make you a little bit more resilient by sharing some of these things with you. And in that resiliency, they'll gain flexibility and adaptability, right? Absolutely. So as, as an example of resilience, uh, I, I guess we're talking about like resilience of body, resilience of mind, resilience of spirit. And one example that I like to use for this, and re- like I try not to point the finger myself as a good example too often, I, I tend to serve much better in the role of being a bad example of what not to do. But I, I know people that when they travel, they have to take a certain pillow, they take certain, like, they have this sleep routine that they try to duplicate wherever they go, be it a hotel, an Airbnb, a friend's house, whatever. They, they like, have a suitcase almost full of bedding material to match this very specific situation. Rather than do that, uh, what I try to do is adapt my body so I don't need a specific situation to sleep in. So I, like, uh, I basically travel with one blanket that I use everywhere I go. I sleep on, like even at home, I, I, I'm a weirdo. I know I sleep on top of my comforter just under this blanket. So nothing changes. Like my body can adapt to pretty much anywhere. And I guess that blanket has kind of become my security blanket. And, and like my, the cue for my brain that, Hey, it's bedtime. It's like, this is, this is familiar. You can go to sleep, but rather than trying to bend the situation to meet your particular needs, make your body more more flexible and more adaptable to the situation and you will ultimately be more resilient. I know that was probably a just a piss poor example. Ah, don't beat yourself up. Hey, listen, here's the deal. I think you know you and I both are uh, for our age and our life we're very well traveled both domestically and internationally. And that's another thing that we bring with us, you know, the uh respect for other other cultures um, and then, you know, how to blend in and adapt to the, the environments that we find ourselves in because we're both former Marines, man. And, you know, there's a saying in the Marine Corps, Semper Gumby, right? <laughs> yeah. And that is, you know, Gumby, the little uh, flexible eraser guy. And because that's that's the way you had to be, man. You had to be fuck. You had to be flexible because you never know what's going to happen. No, absolutely not. And uh, and touching on cultures, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, I, I, I think you and I would both be happy to be described as tactical hippies. So uh, if you're the if you're the um, person that can't stand the politics around gun conversations or whatever, like this is probably the show for you. We're we'll, we'll probably stay. I don't know. I don't. I'm not too hung up on anything. So. Um, yeah, I think that's this a good, I think not, that's a good this thing. This is not going to be the rant show. I hadn't heard the term tactical hippie. I I do like that, man. I when we was I was thinking about having another podcast, it was going to be the gun-toting hippie. Because I I <laughs> I don't think you or I fall into the demographic that a lot of Americans would place us in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um yeah, man, I I'll, I'll be honest, I'm hesitant uh it's not that I'm ashamed or embarrassed or whatever, but I'm hesitant to for to tell people that I'm a gun owner for the same reason I'm hesitant to tell people oh I have this privacy podcast because both of those things that's the brush that you get painted with and that's all people think of you as like oh Justin's the gun guy it's like well I'm not really the gun guy I'm also the uh like I'm also the the guy that reads 50 or 60 books a year I'm also the guy that like is a really awesome cook. I'm also the guy that, you know, I, I, I have all these other aspects and I don't want to be pigeonholed into that one, one specific thing and thought of as just that. 
I think the gun argument is is a great example. You know, we have some friends in Rhode Island, uh, wonderful people. They own a restaurant up there. They're Italians, and they welcomed us into our home. Uh, I guess it was probably December. And uh, are they mobbed up? Are they what mobbed up? Oh, absolutely. They own this big Italian <laughs> restaurant, man, and um, and Providence. And we were up there, and they put the meal out and we're eating and they're like man what's up with these gun people and they had no idea that i'm involved in the industry as deeply as i am and i'm like well, tell me more what are you what are you talking about and i let them expound upon what they want and of course because they're not gun people they had everything wrong right they didn't know what the laws really were they made assumptions and and i tried to gently and tactic tactfully steer them like, well, and without ever coming out and saying, oh, my name is Rich, and I have this podcast, The American Warrior Show, and I teach and train people on firearms all over the country. And I never, you know, told them, I'm sitting here with a handgun in my pants right now as you're talking to me. And it hasn't jumped out of my pants and shot anybody, right? You know what? I Yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. And, and like, I, I guess some people would accuse me of being a chameleon or... or or like not standing up for my rights or whatever. But to be honest, you probably made more progress in swaying that debate by, by not like throwing your NRA membership card on the table and, you know, slapping your glass of wine on the floor and walking out and telling them they're a bunch of libtards. You probably made way more progress by just having a conversation with them as another human being, rather than painting yourself as, uh, I'm, you know, I'm one of the others. And, you know, start that in grouping and out grouping. Yeah, I hate that because in reality, I, I have a lot of very socially liberal uh, viewpoints. But like I said, I happen to love all the amendments. And I am I have as much in common with probably an ACLU, card-carrying ACLU guys, I do with a card-carrying NRA member, which is which I am. because it, But it's just one freedom that protects the other freedoms, in my opinion. Yeah. So to... To, to circle this back to the topic of today is while you and, I, you and I are certainly specialists in that regard, it's just one of the things that we're very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, and, and I'm passionate about a, uh, a number of different things. So, uh, and, and I'm expert on almost none of them. So uh, with the exception of the privacy security thing, I, I'm expert on none of them, but I have some knowledge on all of them. So um, I guess I'd kind of like to close this out with a quote from a from science fiction author Robert Heinlein. And this is one of my favorite quotes, and I think it almost perfectly summarizes what we're trying to do here. Quote, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects, end quote. So that runs the gamut from pitching manure to programming a computer and pretty much everything in between. And I, I think that's, I, I couldn't have come up with a better summation of what we're trying to get across here is you need to be adaptable to the world around you. The world will not always bend to you. And it's much easier if you're flexible to the situation, the environment, the whatever it is that you happen to be encountering, uh, rather than trying to 
bend the rest of the world to to meet your needs. Oh man, you're gonna you're gonna get me going now. I thought we were closing this thing down. Evolutionary psychology is very fascinating to me, and uh, I think you know as human. And I didn't know you were gonna have that quote, Justin, but I will say that human beings are unique in a lot of ways. We have no fangs, right? We've got no sharp claws. We're we're helpless for the first you know five years of our life. We're dependent on these familial bonds that keep keep the tribes together, and yet somehow we became the dominant apex predator on the planet because we're not specialists. We are flexible. We can make compound tools that do a lot of things that animals can do with the way that their bodies have adapted. So I think this is a phenomenal quote to kind of wrap things up with today. And, um, man, that, that, that's spot on, bro. So with that, we will go ahead and move into the book of the week. Every week, Rich or I will recommend a book that we have read that has been meaningful to us in some way and that's going to provide value in some way to you. And my book for this week is The Stuff of Thought by Steven Pinker. Steven Pinker is a philosopher at Harvard University, and The Stuff of Thought basically posits that language is what enables us to to conceptualize abstract concepts to to be able to take abstraction and and to to be able to deal in abstraction and communicate these abstract ideas that aren't concrete that other primates and and every other animal on the planet can't really deal with and the reason for that is we we think in words. If you actually listen to yourself think sometimes, you'll notice that you don't spell everything out. You think in in words and and it's a it's an excellent book, an outstanding book about how language enables thought, it enables complex thought and ultimately it enables abstraction which helps us to build these tools that have to think 3 or 5 or 10 or 25 steps ahead to the end result that is not immediately apparent. The Stuff of Thought by Steven Pinker, you can find a link to that, uh, an Amazon link to that in our show notes, which you can find at acrossthepeak.com. You know, that's a that's a good one, and I've, I have not read that one. The only Steven Pinker book I've read is The Blank Slate. Uh, are you familiar with that? I'm not. I have not read that. Yeah, it, it's another, it's an evolutionary psychology book, talks about uh, the human mind and adaptation and how... In 21st century life, we like to assume or presume that every human being has a has the same mental capacity as every other human. And we're and if if that were only the case, he argues that science has shown that that's not true. Uh, every mind is not a blank slate. It already comes with some implicit biases, and 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 there is a upper limit to IQ within certain certain groups. So. Interesting book. He's a, he's a he's a great thinker, man. Yeah, he definitely is. He's getting a little bit of heat right now for his uh, for his latest book, but maybe we'll go into that uh, another time. All right, man. Listen, if this is your first time on the show, hey, thanks for listening. Justin and I appreciate it, and we'd like for you to go ahead and subscribe to the show. I know we're just getting started, but trust me, we will get better as we move forward because we've got a lot of stuff to share with you guys and gals. So just scroll to the bottom, leave us a review, hit that share button if you like what you heard, send it to someone who needs to harden their ass up because that's what this show's about. 
You've been listening to the Across the Peak podcast. Be sure to visit acrossthepeak.com for show notes and bonus content. Until then, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous. Be dangerous.